Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together and uh, a lot happening. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to... I'm going to um, uh, have a great chance to inter- to interview a man named Tom uh, McKenna. And he is the guy that's out of San Diego where the show originates, uh, the radio show, the Pro-America Report originates. Um, and we'll talk with him about an effort to hold accountable very public officials, publicly facing officials who say that they're Catholic. Uh, interesting program. I'll be interested to hear how it's going and what's happening. So we'll talk with him in a moment uh, and a lot more. But first, what you need to know, um, I tell you this, it's a very interesting time. And the interesting time, it's almost lost on most of the commentators because they're lying to you. They want to, they want, uh, you know, everything is done for clicks and giggles. I heard someone say that, you know, the old phrase that's kind of racy phrase, but instead of clicks, put another word in there, uh, you know, hooey, but clicks and giggles, everything's about clicks and then sometimes about giggles. But, uh, and uh, I'll be out in uh, actually in Idaho this weekend. Uh, and Alex Stein, the, the comedian, uh, the conservative comedians on the program with me, we're both speakers at Lincoln Days in uh, uh, near Boise, Idaho. But, um, but here's what's changing that people don't realize. Um, last week, Congressman Jason Smith of Missouri, who's the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, one of the most powerful positions in government, he said he wasn't interested. Ways and Means is in charge of the IRS and tax cuts. And he said he's not interested in just paying attention to big business and uh, traditional tax cuts. And there was a story uh, about how K Street lobbyists that usually do that, they get paid lots of money to make sure to take care of corporate interests and all. They were uh, they're worried. And Jason Smith was interviewed and he said, look, I come from working Americans. We got to have tax policy that helps working folks. And people said, oh, my gosh, what is that? What is that? Well, that's the shift that's happened. It used to be that Paul Ryan and his uh, ilk, his people that came out of the late um, 90s, he was he's younger than that. But in the 2000s and into 2010, that that decade, they talked about tax cuts and trickle down and all that. And now you have a set of leaders who are saying, no, wait a second, we need to actually use the tax code to benefit people in where they are. And the, the last time that there was a Democrat president who was forced to take a major tax bill, a revenue bill, I, I know Bill Clinton was a, a Democrat and had to face uh, the, the Gingrich um, uh, House, but, but the last time it was, it was Harry Truman. And Harry Truman had a, had to, uh, was faced with a massive, the 1948 Revenue Act. And one of the things in the Revenue Act in 1948 was the ability for people, couples, to file jointly. And the filing jointly was a big benefit for families. Think about it. If you're, if the husband or the, or one, let's say this, one of the, one of the couple, one of the married couple makes a hundred thousand dollars a year and pays tax on the hundred thousand dollars a year income tax. You know, that's a hundred thousand. You pay that you're in the highest tax bracket. If you file jointly with your wife or your husband, whatever, whoever's the big breadwinner, now you're paying the two of you. And so you're paying less tax because you're in a different tax bracket because of that. 
You see the difference? So anyway, that was a huge deal. And the point, what my point is, that was the tax code as a preference and a policy preference. In the last 10 days, the Hungarian government announced that if you have a baby and you're under 30, you pay no income tax. I think that's the way they did it. Now, Hungary is only 10 million people. It's not as big an economy, obviously, as America. There's a lot of other things. But you're using the tax code. You're using the law, not just to maximize. It, it, it is a preference to just maximize profits and maximize markets. That's a preference. And that preference worked in favor of multinational corporations and Wall Street and big business for about 25 years and changed the heartland into the Rust Belt. And so we need to change that. Whether it's tariffs on China, that's what Trump did. They said the economy would crash if we do tariffs on China. Trump did tariffs on China and nothing crashed. And so now comes uh, President Trump, who is, you know, running for president, but now he's, he's rolling out uh, policy ideas. And typical Trump, he's, um, he's causing people to pay attention, mostly initially because it's provocative. You know, he, he rolled out a policy that said we should take on the cartels by calling them terrorists. And then, you know, militarily take care of them because of the drugs and the border. He, uh, he said we should have education system should be changed up by we should be able to elect our superintendents directly. These are just, a lot of times it's provocative in the direction of getting people talking about what's going on. He did that on trade the other day. Well, he rolled out some uh, ideas. And one of them was about having future cities where people could decide how the cities should be operating, whether they should be, you know, closer together and all livability and all that. But within that press release that he put out is an interesting one. He called it uh, baby bonuses. Uh, uh, the government would pay, probably through a tax credit, people that have kids. You'd get paid for that. Now, he doubled the child tax credit during his time, the 2017 tax uh, cut, quote unquote, tax cut, doubled the tax credit. A lot of people that on the left. And so here's the interesting thing. The bonus for babies that he floated, it immediately was linked to Cory Booker who had an idea of baby bonds, that you would get special bonds issued if you had a baby. The point is, if you want to incentivize behavior, one of the ways to do that is the policy preferences, that is the power of uh, public policy. And for too long, some Republicans fell victim to this idea that we could somehow be neutral and it would all turn out fine. And the neutral was a choice too. Again, maximizing profits, especially, say, uh, free markets and open borders and all that was supposed to work out for everybody when it really didn't. And so I, I, just, I just have to say, this is one of the most ex exciting things for me to see in the last 10 days, to, to, watching Jason Smith say something, congressman from Missouri, powerful position. You've got uh, the, uh, the policy debate is happening all over the world on families. And then you've got uh, President Trump floating this idea of, uh, of uh, bonuses that would incentivize having families anywhere you can get policies that align with those pro family values. You're going to see, uh, I, I, I would argue a positive changes. Another one is school choice. Of course, when you can align the dollars to follow the students, you can have a chance to change the racist schools in St. Louis or Chicago and, and families could break out. So it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Pay attention to it. All right. We will take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk with Thomas McKenna of, uh, of San Diego, the Catholic action effort, as well as uh, we'll visit with John Schlaff. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I was um, interested uh, that I got an email from a friend of mine. He said, you should talk to uh, Thomas McKenna. He's the founder and the president of Catholic Action for Faith and Family. Catholic Action for Faith and Family. Go to CatholicAction.org and learn more about them. And uh, uh, Mr. McKenna, welcome to the program. And, and thank you. The, what flagged my attention was... Um, this question uh, about um, who should be receiving communion if you're Catholic, the Eucharist, uh, what's called Holy Communion. And there's a new book-ish. I think it's, I don't know how new it is, but it's um, uh, Cardinal uh, Burke, who is from my hometown, St. Louis. Uh, at one point, he was the, the archbishop there. It's called Deny Holy Communion, describes the teaching. And also, first of all, welcome to the program, sir. How are you? I'm just fine. It's uh, great to be here with you today to discuss important issues of the church it sure is, and you know, I should say I'm Catholic. I'm I'm uh, I was friend. I'm friendly with I'm friends with uh, Cardinal Burke, and uh, appreciate his stand. and And I would say this as somebody who's involved in politics: the number of times that people say they're Catholic and have positions that are completely against the church, it's obviously increasing, has been increasing, especially as the Democrat Party made it impossible, at least nationally, to be uh, pro life. Is this uh, from where you sit before we get into the specifics? Is this problem um, getting more acute for the faithful? Meaning there's still lots of people saying that, but the faithful are getting more frustrated with it. Well, two things I would say. Yes, there are those that understand the Catholic Church and its doctrine. And so they are getting like you and I more frustrated because we see an inconsistency here. But the real uh, the de- greater damage is that society and Catholics in general, let's say your your Sunday Catholics that, you know, that's probably, let's say that's what they do go on Sundays and that's about it, or maybe a little bit more. They're having their faith watered down, whether they realize it or not, because when you see on the, in the news that, you know, president, you know, Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi, you know, or the other day we saw a uh, president Biden's wife, Jill, is off, you know, in other countries, you know, wearing a rosary around her neck and, and, and talking about, you know, contraception and things uh, that damages those people because they see, well, it's OK. So this person takes a pro-abortion stance or pro-gay marriage stance or whatever. And uh, and they seem to be Catholics in good standing. And, and so that's where the damage is being done. And that's what Cardinal Burke's new book really is is addressing. Um, again, we're talking with Thomas McKenna. He's the founder and president of Catholic Action for Faith and Family. Go to CatholicAction.org. Um, so uh, why, I know the answer, by the way. I mean, I know a lot of the answer, but I want yeah, our listeners, some of whom are Catholic, some of whom are not, um, to hear you uh, talk about this, sir. It, um, why aren't there more leaders who step up to this fight? And and more specifically, I remember very well when Archbishop Joseph Nauman over in Kansas City, Kansas, he said, look, the governor here, Sebelius, is so obviously for not just, in fact, he didn't say it this way, but I would say she was blatantly for partial birth abortion, sort of most scandalous in a way. I mean, there's no most scandalous when you're talking about killing, but you get the point. And he said, you you know, you can't, and he got a lot of attention for it, a lot of a negativity for it. Why aren't more leaders willing to do that right now in the Catholic Church? Well, I, I think part of it is that, many of them don't really profoundly know the issue. In my conversations, even with bishops or priests, you know, most of them didn't study the, you know, the canon laws of the church, specifically canon 915 that explains this, you know, why the church has this teaching. And I think there's a misconception of it. 
Um, this teaching, people try to present that this is like a penal. You hear some saying this is weaponizing the Eucharist by, you know, saying it should deny the community. And it's not. It's this, this canon law, this teaching of the church is based on charity. That's what this is. It's, the others have it. They have it all wrong. It's charitable for a pastor to correct uh, someone who's going, you know, contrary to the teaching of the church for their own salvation. So I think part of it is there's a lack of understanding and it's kind of been politicized. Uh, they try to say, well, if you're, you know, you some say that you can't be, you know, can't ever deny communion. It should be open for everyone. And then you have the others that, you know, have the church's position. And that's what the new book that we we made, we printed is Cardinal Brooks book just was sent out two weeks ago. It's called Deny Holy Communion with a question mark. And it's a short treatise, 65 pages. We sent it out to every ordained clergy of the Catholic Church in our country. 41,000 wow. copies hmm. were sent to every bishop, every priest, and every deacon in the United States, not telling them to de- de- deny Holy Communion. That's not the point. That's the that's kind of the end of the line. See, that's what people say is it deny Communion, and they try to make it it's either either or. Well, my, our position, what, what Cardinal Burke and why we as a lay organization wanted to pr- to promote this book and send it, is because of the misunderstanding. My question would be to a cleric, not have you denied communion or are you going to? My question would be, have you reached out to that scandalous person or to that sit person you know it's publicly in scandal? Have you reached out to start a process of correction? And so that's really what this book is about. It's not that, the, you know, denying communion is at the end of the line. Archbishop Corleone was in dialogue with Nancy Pelosi for several years before she cut off dialogue with him, and he had nothing left to do, then he made that decree saying you cannot present yourself worthily for communion. But a lot of them, they don't know the issue, and so therefore they're afraid of it. And um, is, do you think, again, we're talking with uh, Thomas McKenna and the, the organization, the uh, Catholic Action for Faith and Family, based uh, right here in, in San Diego, um, do you think that there is uh, a growing willingness for people to confront this? And let me say it differently. Um, the there is a political cost to be paid if you put somebody on the spot. And and so being willing to do that, understanding that dynamic is actually a, sort of a piece of the puzzle. In other words, no politician, you know, Joe Biden doesn't want that uh, conversation to happen. He wants everybody to stay silent. It's kind of silence is the is the key. And I think people more and more people realize as long as you're comfortable, you're going to get some blowback. Right. I mean, as long as you're comfortable, um, I think you, you people are, are, are wanting to see um that that whether the word is right or not confrontation, that contrast, uh, that focus. Well, it, 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 that is pretty much true, but that shouldn't have to be that way. In this book that Cardinal Burke wrote that we sent out to all the clerics in our United States this right. last two weeks, yep. he explains it's not about canon law saying this is it. This is not an opinion. He bases it on the teachings of the church, on the councils of the church, on teachings of saints. It's a whole treatise explaining why the church, the church has this law. It's not by accident. This is this is a teaching from the beginning of for 2000 years that if you're not worthy to receive Holy Communion, this is like the basics 101. You know, if you're promoting things that are contrary to the truth of the church or if you're, you know, in the state of grave sin, you shouldn't. You should seek out confession and and, and be, make amends. Well, in this case. It has to be public. If someone has publicly gone on record a, a fo- pro-abortion or pro-something contrary to the church, it's not enough just to go to confession because it was a public scandal. So therefore, that person has to 
make it public, say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, you know, whatever, in a, in a loving way. And that but that's what the clerics have an obligation. It's not an option. It should be an obligation, because if this person is going down the road of following things contrary to the church and teaching that, they're on their way to hell, to perdition. And for someone not to step in and say, excuse me, at least try I'd like to sit with you. I'd like to talk with you. Are you aware that the catechism says this? What you're saying is contrary. That's a mercy, but it is an obligation of the clerics. It's not an option. And by not doing that, you could be putting someone's soul in, in grave jeopardy. Well, and then again, we're talking with uh, Thomas McKenna and uh, again, um, McKenna and again, CatholicAction.org. And you can see this uh, new um, uh, book. It's not even for sale. If you make a contribution to Catholic Action and their work of, of any size, uh, they'll send you a copy of it. It's I'm, I'm sure I know Ray, uh, Cardinal Burke, his uh, generosity in doing that. But but uh, um, the the what you said there, uh, Thomas, that um, uh, th- this is a problem. Here's a problem. I mean, I'm with you. But I remember when um, when Christopher Hitchens died and he was a famous atheist and he liked to debate people that believed in God. And he was a full blown, very gifted debater and all. And when he died, people said, oh, wow, you know, I mean, he's gone to, uh, you know, a better place and all that because he had terrible cancer. And I said I said to a friend of mine, you know, I, I hope he repented at the very end. I hope there was some moment of truth before he died. I pray for it. But if he didn't, he's not he's going to hell. I mean, it's not it's not up for grabs. And the problem is. Too many people don't believe that, right? They don't believe that there's anything that like that, and so therefore, well, why worry about it? I mean, I, I mean, again, I, even amongst uh, faithful Christians uh, of either uh, Protestant or a Catholic, they just don't believe in hell the same way, and therefore, it's hard to motivate. You're absolutely right. Um, you have this. We haven't had the teachings. You don't hear when was the last time you heard a sermon in your Sunday mass about hell. Or this, you know, this was something so important that Our Lady of Fatima, you know, the approved apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima. This was one of the crux of it. She, she, she said, I'm our, our, our Holy Father, God the Father sent me here to earth to warn you. But because many souls are going to hell like snowflakes, like the leaves in the autumn. Many. This is back in 100 years ago, 1917. So the fact that people that we don't hear about hell, it leads people to not believe about hell. So then they don't they don't care. Right. You know, right. a, a good, and that's something that Cardinal Burke is always calling people to. And that's what this book is an insight into. It's a, it's not it's not a, a strong in your face book. It's a study why the church has these teachings based on charity that we all should could and apply it to ourselves as laity. You know, am I worthy? Have I gone to co- confession after a sin? You know, am I am I ready? Have I gone recently? It, it, it applies not just to these politicians. This applies to all of us. I do think that one of the things that in this in this sort of battle we're in in this country right now uh, where uh, the left and the media uses very effective techniques to sort of damage anyone who is um, who they deem to be outside of the, the, the positions they want, whether it's on LGBT and marriage or life issues or in this case, the, the, the um, tenants of the Catholic Church, they raise the cost. And the left and the media may raise the cost for Thomas McKenna to be the guy he is that, you know, if it weren't you and you didn't have a background of being a fighter and you were trying to be a salesman selling, um, you know, uh, uh, cars, they, they'd be complaining to your boss, right? They'd be complaining. This is the game that the left plays very effectively, uh, that you'd be audited. I mean, all these kinds of things. Uh, and I, and I mean this in a way that you have to be careful. We have to be careful to not be ungenerous, but it has to be. Uh, of cost to people that so blatantly 
uh, um, disregard the welfare of the people by being so scandalous. And by that, I mean, I don't think that everybody that is pro-abortion should be, have their name put in the paper. But if you decide to be a congressman or a senator or a president, you've sort of asked to be, you've stepped into a public role. And we have to, again, with love, raise the cost. People have to pay a price for being so against what the truth is. If they don't, the message amongst the faithful is it's it's just easier to to be on the side of uh, of the people that are over there than it is to be on the side of truth. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's why I say that this is not a political issue. Cardinal Burke is not involved in this because of a political issue. You know, back in 2004, when this whole issue really became, uh, you know, well known, as you know, Cardinal Burke was the Archbishop of St. Louis and Senator Kerry was on the campaign trail for president, going to church every Sunday, pictures of him on the steps of the church. And he was playing that card because the, the largest single denomination in the United States is the Roman, those who identify as Catholic. Even the ones that don't all go to church, but they identify. So for the last 50 or 60 years, whoever, whichever candidate gets the Catholic vote, they win the election. That's that's Mm. that's truth. So he was going on the campaign trail using that. And in an interview about something else, a person on the news asked Cardinal at that time, Archbishop Burke of St. Louis, would you give communion to Senator Kerry? He's coming. He's he's coming to St. Louis. And Cardinal Burke kindly said, no, I would not because it's clear that his history is, is voting pro-abortion throughout his, his career. So he said, I would sit with him. I would talk with him. I would counsel him. I would, I would try. He didn't rebuff him, but he said, but he can't, I could not give him community. Not that I won't. I cannot. And I think mm-hmm. that's what people misunderstand is that the, the, there are truths of the church on faith and morals. And we can't say, well, on that one, I don't agree with, you know, I'm, a, I'm pro-abortion or I'm pro-choice. You can't disagree with the church on doctrinal issues or you're not in union with the church and therefore you shouldn't act that way. The only thing that I gently disagree with you on on this, uh, Thomas, I know what you mean. It's not political, meaning um, uh, Cardinal Burke nor you running your organization wants to be partisan or engaged in saying who to vote for. But what I mean is that small p political, uh, the, the, it meaning that meaning the public um price of being so uh wrong and so uh un unhelpful and uh you know again it's not like we're disagreeing on whether um we should um you know uh have the even have the altar face to the front or the back we're talking about on key issues fundamental things like life you know like i and the end of life and abortion and therefore the ante goes up and i i just uh, i i hope that um your efforts and, and i know uh, cardinal burke has been so uh are encouraging for people to do as your name says catholic action i mean you know uh, we have to be in the fray whatever that whatever call to to change what's going on so uh thomas mckenna thank you for your time it's uh thomas mckenna is the founder and president of catholic action for faith and family www.catholicaction.org you can go there and see uh this uh book it's entitled deny holy communion question mark uh and it chronicles the catholic church's teaching consistent clear teaching on reception of holy communion what it means by cardinal uh raymond burke and to get a copy you just uh, give some support to catholic action go to their website and find out more uh thank you sir for your time we'll talk again soon okay thank you for having me on god bless you god bless you we'll take a break everybody i'll put up on social media links to all those things and uh all those websites and there's a lot more uh, there on the website we'll take a break and be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly writes a weekly column with his brother, Andy. It's called the Schlafly Report, interestingly enough, over at townhall.com. This week's column, globalists want their own president. Globalists want their own president. Welcome back, John. But I th- I think they have their own president, don't they? I mean, is there yeah. any doubt that that uh, Pre- President Biden is a globalist? There's no, there's no doubt, Ed, uh, you know, that... Uh, Biden has been doing their bidding. There's no question about that. Although, okay. you know, he didn't come from their world. Yeah, he's been, bend, I would say, bent over backwards to do their bidding. But, you know, in, as time goes on, there's increasing discontent, I would say, uh, uh, about whether Biden can really go the distance for Pete's sake. And, um, you know, and going the distance means, uh, you know, another six years from now. And uh, the poll, the, the the poll that was released just recently, the thirty-seven per, that only thirty percent, seven percent of Democrats want Biden to run for another term. Well, that has ripple effect. And uh, an article that came out today made the case in the Atlantic magazine about why, by why, you know, uh, other candidates, Democratic candidates should challenge Biden in 2024 mm-hmm. for the nomination. <clears throat> but, and- uh, but, 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 but let's get, hold on, pause one second. Let's get real here. Um, first of all, if you could go back in time, do you think that the numbers, if you could go back, uh, let's say 18 months before the election in 20, the 2020 election. So let's go in like late in, um, uh, well, let's just say uh, uh, late in February, early March of 2018 was that, no 2019. And you did a poll. I'm not sure more than 37 percent would have said Biden, but the Democrats, as long as they can get the field to just Biden, their people won't go anywhere. This is a, this yeah. is a d- different conundrum that you're, you've addressed. You and I have addressed off yeah. the air. But but let me let me finish that. There, there's some number of people that are never that are always Trumpers that if you if you take out Trump, you, they'll never vote for the Republican. There's some percentage if it's two percent, maybe. But I think it's more like 20 percent of the Republican primary. So my thought is here is that, OK, yeah, if they could get an open field. But show me who's going to step up and take on Joe Biden, because not Joe Biden. It's Susan Rice. It's Lisa Monaco. It's uh, it's the Obama people that are running things in the White House, including a Podesta's back. Well, all that all that is true, and uh, we we are, you know, a year out from the, uh, the nominee of both parties to really come together. So there's plenty of room, plenty. There's lots that can happen between now and then. There's no question about that. But the effects of age are inexorable, and as time goes on, Biden is slipping, and you know, vision. Uh, People will want that job, and some people will emerge to take that away from him. And uh, I guess the real point of our column, Ed, is that the you know, the progressive globalists, the progressives and the globalists, I'm not sure there's 100% overlap between the progressives and the globalists, but the globalists are really driving, you know, they are the people who want their way, no matter who's president. It was Donald Trump who, for once, and the first candidate of either party who was willing to say no to the globalists, and they will do anything uh, to prevent you know, Trump from regaining that office. And that just proves, as you say, that the Trump supporters will say there really is no substitute for Trump. He is the only candidate who is willing and able to 
um, uh, to to uh, stand, oppose stand, the globalist stand, yeah, stand agenda. Up, stand up now, John. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly again. His column is over on uh, Phil, uh, phyllis archive. There uh, has the uh, requisite reference to the classic 1964 uh, Phyllis Schlafly bestseller, "A Choice, Not an Echo." Um, but John, uh, who's the best? candidate for the globalists is it uh buddha judge i i mean i hate to say it but does it matter for the democrats there's not someone who's going to buck the tr- i guess that's your point there's not well, anyone that's going to buck the trend pretty much although buddha judge you know he has he was he was groomed in the kind of the same way that bill clinton was groomed you know you start with uh an early association with john f kennedy as a teenager that's, right. that's what the two men shared. Right. And then they were both Rhodes Scholars. I mean, you know, that's a one-two punch. You really can't get past that. I mean, those two were groomed. And then, of course, uh, Buttigieg and the McKinsey and company. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he, of course, he's lost a bit of a luster, a bit of his luster, whatever luster he had as a result of East Palestine, Ohio. But, you know, the the, the forces behind him will cover that up somehow. So, um I- I saw I saw Governor Scott Walker, somebody who knows something about uh, candidates who uh, seem to be favorites to win for president and don't go very far, which is, you know, in 2016, he he mounted a one hundred and fifty million dollar campaign and had all the things done and all the key people. And and he washed out by, I think, Thanksgiving. Uh, But he said, have a few more events, a few more uh, political moments like Ohio, where Trump goes down there and, and shows up. And he said Trump wins the White House. I mean, he wins the nomination in the White House. Um, I, I don't think that I don't think that's far off. In fact, I think it's um, the opposite. I don't think he needs many more. I think it's sort of a, a baked in. What's your best sense, though, on the Republican side? Would you go so far as to say that, um, well, all of the declared candidates, it's only Nikki Haley and uh, and Trump right now are Nikki Haley's sort of a globalist leaning. Right. I mean, is that where you'd go with that? Well, Haley, Pompeo, Pence, I mean, you know, and, and of course, DeSantis, those are the four names, and maybe there's another, uh, Haley, I mean, and people are talking about it, and the media is obsessed with the idea of coming up with somebody who is willing and able to ch- challenge Trump. I really don't see it. Um, it. It's really, it's media. It's media hype, and, you know, even the Fox News Channel has been obsessed with boosting anybody who might present a challenge to Trump and giving them airtime. So, I mean, but, but as you say, Ed, you know, it's, there's a immovable core of people, I think, and uh, it's not going to work. Yeah, so, it is. Uh, it, the interest the question becomes um, whether, you know, we've seen this before, to be honest, we saw this in 15 and 16 and then the, the, uh, the the difference might be that everybody takes Trump seriously now. They realize he can he can and and uh, and you know um, has won. Uh, but back back John to this uh, to the column um, again. John Schlafly's column over at phyllisschlafly.com. Globalists want their own president. Um, is uh, is the on on the question of the America First agenda? H- have we lost almost all of what Trump was able to do? Uh, well, of course, the you know the idea of naming uh, China. Uh, that's, that's true. That's better. And, and here we have the Republican Congress uh, starting with a series of hearings, and we'll see how far that goes. Um, the problem is so big, though. Uh, 
that uh, one set of hearings is not going to make a difference, but uh, certainly want to encourage that. But there's the problem is so has come so gigantic over the 30 years. The, the situation we face with China began to be built 30, 30 years ago. Now, some would say 50 years ago when Nixon and Kissinger went to China, but really, it really began in the 90s when George H.W. Bush was ambassador to China. And um, that, I would say, that sparked the idea among the elite Americans that we can make money by offloading manufacturing to China. And that's and because it'll just be low-skill stuff. Well, now it's high-skill stuff, just as mm-hmm. anyone could have predicted. Right. And China is now dominating the world. They've got the best, the Belt and Road Initiative, where they effectively are colonizing Africa and Latin America, and they are, you know, producing all of the uh, raw materials and even the parts that are needed for the so-called green economy that Biden is forcing everyone to buy and subsidizing. So, um, you know, the China issue we see. And and, uh, and now forming an alliance with uh, Russia and basically in order to supply Russia with the uh, with what they Russia has been prohibited from getting from Western countries. So that's where we are now. It's a new geopolitical situation that we face. I think China uh, Donald Trump, as usual, is right on the money, and Biden doesn't know what he's doing. And he's got John, when, when, John, when, when, when can we count on the um, the uh, uh, reapplication and uh, invigoration of the Monroe Doctrine by uh, John and Andy Schlafly in print? I mean, I really feel like at this point we need this. Uh, we need the the continuing validity of the Monroe Doctrine is is established for you and me, but we need the reinvigoration of it. When 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 is that coming? Is that coming soon? The 200th anniversary of the Monroe Doctrine is this year, Ed. And, I know. Uh, That's why I'm uh, counting we'll on it. you got to mark it. Well, we'll, we'll, yes, we will celebrate that. Now, mind you, the Monroe Doctrine was focused on our hemisphere, the Western Hemisphere. And, uh, and basically it said that European powers will, that the United States cannot allow European powers to colonize or control or dominate any part of the Western Hemisphere. Now, you know, the situation with China is a bit different from that. First of all, it's not a European power, so it doesn't technically fall in there. And, but, and, and, uh, but the, you know, the wider principle is that uh, the United States from our base here in North America has to have freedom of movement in this world. And uh, increasingly we become our dominance has been challenged and blocked by the emerging power from China and that we've got to figure out how to counter that. Well, and, and, uh, and I, well, I agree with you. I also think that the um, post-World War II articulation of the Monroe doctrine as to the problem of, of communism is also unique. In other words, 
uh, it, it, you know, Monroe Doctrine refers, as I've said to my listeners many times, to systems. It doesn't refer to actually nations or peoples or something. It's the systems. Aren't, your systems aren't compatible with being in our hemisphere. And I think the communist Chinese, especially vis-a-vis TikTok and uh, other things, um, uh, uh, fit into that. All right, John, we got to run. John Schlafly, everybody. His column is over at townhall.com, originally and then, uh, uh, excuse me, archived at phyllisschlafly.com. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Conservatives asserted themselves in the election for Speaker of the House. And now that Kevin McCarthy has been selected, action is needed to shut down weaponized prosecutions. Our republic is imperiled by improper attempts to prosecute Republican leaders. In the last act of the Democrat-controlled Congress before handing the gavel to McCarthy, Democrat Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries reduced the chamber to groans with his Mickey Mouse-style recitation of 26 couplets, one for each letter of the alphabet. For the letter G, he shouted, Governance over gaslighting. Governance over gaslighting indeed will be the method of the new Republican House. In becoming next in line to the presidency after our hapless vice president, McCarthy pledged to form and fund a new subcommittee to expose and stop the weaponization of the FBI and other government agencies against the president's chief political rival, Donald Trump. Headlines are filled with leaked news from liberal-controlled investigations that shouldn't even exist. The Democrat-controlled Fulton County, Georgia, grand jury recently completed its secret report that may recommend indictments of top Republicans. And the Justice Department has issued subpoenas on Republican officials regarding nearly two-year-old conversations with Donald Trump. The officials in Fulton County should be receiving subpoenas soon from the House Judiciary Committee to answer questions about why they are interfering with the 2024 presidential election. Protecting the integrity of that upcoming election against scurrilous accusations by rogue prosecutors must be central to the House's authority, and it has jurisdiction to pursue this. Questions should include what precedent prosecutors can cite for misusing their power to interfere with the reelection campaign of the presumptive Republican nominee. Some may now say that Republicans should not stoop to the level of Democrats, but the Constitution couldn't be clearer. Congress has the power to fund the government and as such is empowered to investigate how those funds are used. Now is the time for the Republican House to expose every impropriety. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I'm headed out. I was meant to tell you the other day, I'm going to Boise, Idaho, to be a speaker at uh, one of the uh, county Lincoln days, my friend State Senator Tammy Nichols invited me to come out, and I can't resist. So I'll be flying out, and I will make sure to get the show in. Don't worry about that. But uh, let me tell you, I plan to talk about 
um, the pro-life movement and where we are, what's happening. And my touchstone will be a book called How the Republican Party Became Pro-Life by the late Phyllis Schlafly. And it describes how, starting in the early 1990s, there were forces that wanted to make the Republican Party pro-abortion. And there was a group of people led by Phyllis Schlafly who fought it off and fought that off. And it was systematic in the Republican Party at the platform, at the uh, uh, annual, uh, the, the uh, uh, every four years conventions in other aspects of it to fight off this effort to go pro-abortion, pro-choice, moderate. And it's one of the great successes of the last 25 to 30 years in terms of grassroots organizing, in terms of getting conservatives to not only be correct, to be right, but to be smart and savvy politically. So it, my reason I'm telling you that is I've been reading it. I've been looking at it. I've been thinking about it in preparation for the speech in Boise, Idaho this weekend. And I thought, if you'd like a copy of that book, email me. Email me, ed at phyllisschlafly.com, ed at phyllisschlafly.com. I will send you a free copy. I won't charge you for shipping, handling, anything. I'll just send you a copy. So ed at phyllisschlafly.com. You can get a copy of that book. Thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, Ryan Height, our associate producer, and all that he does for us. We'll be back next week. It's Ed Martin. Excuse me, back tomorrow. <laughs> Forget about next week. We'll be back tomorrow. Getting ready to go to Boise. I'm already thinking about the weekend. And uh, talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.